Hey moms, welcome to this episode of the Dorinda Wilson podcast. I'm Dorinda, wife to one, mom to eight, nana to nine, and 27-year veteran homeschooling mom. I'm also the author of The Unhurried Homeschooler, a simple, mercifully short book on homeschooling, The 4-Hour School Day, How You and Your Kids Can Thrive in the Homeschool Life, and Unhurried Grace for a Mom's Heart, which is a devotional that I wrote specifically for homeschooling moms. You can find all three of those books at DorindaWilson.com. You can also find... Uh, find them on Amazon, and you can find the four-hour school day at any of your favorite booksellers in addition to the couple of places that I just mentioned. And as always, I love to make sure that I let you all know about CTC Math. If you're looking for a great math program, uh, CTC Math provides online video tutorials that make learning math easy and effective by using creative graphics and animation that are sure to grab and keep your child's attention. Here's a great testimonial from Lori. She said, one day my 10-year-old was in tears over math. I tried my best to help but ended up in tears as well. We prayed together and that very night I received an email offer for CTC Math. The following Monday, we reviewed the curriculum together. She was willing to give it a shot and we have never looked back. So moms, I encourage you to start your free trial today by visiting ctcmath.com. I'll leave a link in the show notes. I'm really excited about today's topic because what parent out there has not been stressed out or gotten angry when it comes to parenting? Uh, Maybe you're looking for solutions to discipline your children that will produce peace instead of anger. Um, Today, you can inhale hope from Israel and Brooke Wayne, the parents of 11 children who have learned practical ways of de-stressing and responding to their children with words that encourage. They're joining me today to talk about some of what they share in their book called Pitch in a Fit, Overcoming Angry and Stressed Out Parenting. Let me tell you a little bit about both of them. Israel is an author and conference speaker who has a passion for defending the Christian faith and promoting a biblical worldview. He's the author of several books, including um, the one I just mentioned, Pitch in a Fit. Also, Education, Does God Have an Opinion and Answers for Homeschooling? Top 25 Questions Critics Ask, as well as Raising Them Up, Parenting for Christians. He is also the site editor for ChristianWorldview.net and the founder of Family Renewal. Brooke um, is an author and conference speaker. She is, with her husband Israel, a co-founder of Family Renewal. She is a homeschool graduate and homeschooling mother of 11. So I'm really excited to have both of them here today. Welcome, Israel and Brooke. Thank you. It's great to be with you. Thank you so much, Dorinda. (laughs) All right. So the first question we're going to ask you is what inspired um, the, the two of you to address the topic of anger in parenting? Well, we had children. <laughs> I, don't you just love that? I love that uh, that statement I heard a while back. Uh, before I had children, I had, you know, 25 theories about parenting. or And now I have basically no theories. Once you have children, yes. you have <laughs> <laughs> Well, there were a couple of things. One, one was that um, I had written a few books and was actually coming up on uh, another uh, book contract and was thinking about what I wanted to write about. And the number one issue that I'd been hearing from parents at our parenting seminars was that their their number one struggle was anger and stress that they faced mm-hmm. as parents towards their children. Mm-hmm. And the relational dynamics in their home was just kind of ruining everything. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to write about that. So I, I didn't tell Brooke that though. I just went to her and, and asked her, if you were going to write a book, what topic would you write on? <laughs> 
and she came up with the same topic. And so then wow. that's when we decided we would write it together. Yeah, I was like, oh, I'll write you know, my thoughts, but really works well because we come from very different backgrounds mm. on that issue. I grew up with one brother, um, you know, very tame household of four. We had a dog and a goldfish. And uh, so having a, a, several children was something like I just really wasn't a race. I had had a lot of examples of actually dealing with young children. Right. And so, um, you know, I faced some of those issues with young children going, wait a second, I, I don't even know how to manage this situation. I mm-hmm. don't know how to be a parent and deliver my message as well without inducing anger into that as well. Right, right, right. And I think that's pretty much every parent comes to that point, um, you know, at a, at a certain point point in the game, whether it's, you know, I I was pretty patient with, you know, babies and toddlers. And then, you know, you start getting into, there's certain ages that I think are harder for some parents than others. And, you know, at some point we're all going to deal with those feelings of being stressed out and angry. And it's, it's not what we want for our families, but I love that, um, you know, you're willing to talk about that, that it, it was happening for you as well. And, and just being able to share some of the things that you've learned from it. So in the book, you say that anger is like cancer. And uh, I'd love for you to explain why you feel like this is such a danger to the family. Sure. Yes. So my mom actually had cancer and then passed away now 10 years ago. And so during that process, you know, I was sorting through just trying to understand more about cancer. And one of the things I came across is that the cancer cells are um, not something that are introduced by the time you, sorry, they're introduced long before a person is diagnosed with cancer. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it can be even upwards 10 years that they'll take root and start growing before any symptoms are noticed. And that shocked me because I was like, wow, you know, you look back with my mom's case 10 years ago, wow, nobody knew this was under the surface. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's the same case with anger. Mm -hmm. We have such a precious message of the gospel to share with our children. And yet sometimes what our children perceive happening in the home is anything but gospel-centered because Mm -hmm. we moms are uptight. We're, We're stressed about dinner and making sure our children complete their lessons and they don't embarrass us out in public and those sorts Mm -hmm. of things. To the point that we we just bring about a lot of stress and our frustrations and escalating that into anger. And sometimes, unfortunately, that can feel very um, hidden and that nobody outside the family knows about it. Right. But our children do. And they're, mm-hmm. they're bearing the brunt of our stressed out, angry attitudes that we're expressing towards them. Even if we're not feeling like we're expressing it directly, sometimes there'll be a tone we set. And those things I really feel can inhibit them embracing the gospel and inhibit our relationship with them. Mm -hmm. And that's something, especially as they're, they're young children, perhaps it's easy to lash out and to feel like, oh, I'm just trying to let my children know what's what. And, um, we're delivering that, that message that says, uh, I'm going to deliver everything to you with anger. Mm-hmm. Doesn't build something that's going to be positive going forward when they're teenagers. We want to share really deep and important things about what the Bible says about sexuality, about finances, about marriage, and yet when we've set that tone relationship uh, relationally early on, it's something that even ten years later comes out. We realize, wait, I've lost their ear because mm-hmm. of anger. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, we want to be able to continue to speak into the lives of our children. And and so much of it um, 
it it's it that happens in the early years as we're as yeah. we're raising them at home we're laying a foundation for what kind of relationship we're going to have with these kids and i think that was one thing that i um just felt like was so important in our home. You mentioned, you know, setting the tone in the home. My mom used to always tell me that when I was growing up, like the mom is the hub of the home. She really does set that tone in the home. And it's a, it's a, it's a big responsibility, but it is also a privilege because if we are, um, taking the time to root out things like this, um, that glorifies and honors the Lord and, and he blesses it. And, you know, we don't have to do any of this perfectly. I think this is what I want moms to understand is, you know, none of us are a perfect parent, but we also don't want to ignore sin. Like sin has to be dealt with in, in our homes, whether it's our sin or children's sin. And to not deal with that is is to not be fulfilling our roles biblically as parents, yeah. and um, and that will eventually, you know, come back. Like you said, when they get into the teen years, if there's just been a lot of anger in the relationship, they don't want to hear what we have to say. There's right. no respect there, and and that's um, that's a very difficult thing to get back. Um, very, very hard. Yeah. So I love that we can uh, hopefully help moms do this, you know, now so that they're investing well um, for the future. And you're right. right. Yeah. They feel our stress, definitely. And I think that's something we don't always realize. We think we're hiding it, but we're actually not. They're really intuitive. <laughs> definitely. And, you know, I think that's the key is just recognizing, wait, what seeds am I sowing right now? And, and is this the best? Is this really the message I want to deliver? And realizing, as you said, all of us make mistakes and our children are amazing for forgiving us. And so it's that coming to them and saying, I was wrong. You know, it seems so humbling. And sometimes it seems like, wait a minute, now what are they going to think about me? But really when we, we recognize we've delivered something in anger and to go and say, I was wrong. I did this in anger. And, um, you know, telling them I want to change. And being able to go forward with some help from the Lord, I think, makes a huge difference. Because our children love us; you know, they they're born with that innate desire to to bond with us. And so, I, I want to just share with moms that even though anger may have been part of your past and part of maybe the present, even going into today, that there is hope. God God is a redeemer, and He wants to take some things that maybe you've even sown that are wrong. And to um, do a work in your heart and your children, when they see God working in your heart, that does something for them where they have their eyes open to see who God is and, mm-hmm. and the ability he has to do something within their own hearts. Absolutely. I think that is the most um, shining example of the gospel is when we as as parents say, look, you know, I was wrong. And we name our sin. We say, I, you know, with its anger, I, I, I gave full vent to my anger. And the Bible says that's wrong. And, you know, and we repent before the Lord. We repent to our kids. And there is, you are so right. They are so forgiving. I think sometimes we forget that. Um, they have that special kind of love and and grace for us, just like we have, uh, we have a special kind of love and grace for them as our children. And so I think sometimes as moms, we forget it goes both ways actually. And, and kids are really, really amazingly resilient Mm -hmm. and gracious. And Mm -hmm. so don't be afraid to apologize. And, um, you know, I love what you say about sowing seeds because that's, you know, what does the Bible say? It says, 
God isn't mocked. A man reaps what he sows, you know? So I love that idea of every day looking and asking ourselves, you know, what kind of seeds am I sowing today? And, you know, and along the way, just kind of holding ourselves accountable to that. So uh, share some of the dangers of sowing the seeds of anger in a child's life. Well, I think about what Jesus said, that uh, we will reap what we sow. Mm -hmm. And I think about the fact that in farming, if you plant a corn kernel in the Mm -hmm. ground, that you will never reasonably be able to anticipate an apple tree (laughs) growing from the corn kernel. Right. And yet what we sometimes think is that, we can sow seeds of anger into our child's life and get a harvest of righteousness Mm. somehow from it. And the scripture speaks to that on so many levels. Uh, One of the passages that comes to my mind is James 1, 19 through 20. And that's where James tells us that we're supposed to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. And then it tells us why. And it says, because the wrath of man will not produce the righteousness of God. Mm. So just like the corn kernel will not produce an apple tree, the wrath of man will not produce the righteousness of God. So I think as Christian parents, we want the righteousness of God to come forth in our child's life. And sometimes we become pragmatists and we think that we can use any means to achieve an end, you know, and it all works, you know, whatever works is right. But God is not only interested in the outcome, God is also infinitely interested in the process or the method Mm -hmm. and has usually so linked the process and the outcome that we we won't get the fruit that we want unless we follow the method that he's prescribed. And, And so, you know, Jesus said in John 3 that flesh gives birth to flesh, spirit gives birth to spirit. And if we want to have a spiritual outcome in the life of our child, we need to use a spiritual method, not a fleshly method. And what does the fleshly method look like? Well, Galatians 5, it talks about how we have these outbursts of anger. Mm -hmm. And it even says in that passage in a really stark way that people who live this way, who, who continually practice this, like this defines their life, they will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Like that is so strong, you know, and and yet uh, what it shows is that we're not controlled by the Holy Spirit when that defines our life. I'm not saying somebody that gets mad at some point, but I'm saying when this controls you right? uh, and and yet on the opposite side of that, uh, what does a spiritual method look like? Well, again, in Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit, that it is love and peace and patience and gentleness and meekness and kindness and self-control. That's what the Holy Spirit is like. And so when the Holy Spirit is living in us and and fully controlling our lives, we live like that. Mm -hmm. And so in some ways it's it's the, um, and and then in Galatians 5.16, it says that if we walk according to the Spirit, we will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. So what we have to learn how to do is is not what most people think, like I'm going to try harder, I'm going to work really hard at not getting mad. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, that's basically just using your flesh to try to overcome your flesh. Mm-hmm. Right. And that never works. You can never overcome a habitual sin or addiction or mm-hmm. a controlling, besetting behavioral pattern by trying really hard to stop. That's right. not where success right. comes from. Mm-hmm. And so if you want to overcome that, what you have to do is you have to learn what does it look like to walk 
according to the spirit? What does it mean to be controlled by the spirit? And then going, you know, to what Jesus talked about in John 15, where he said, I'm the true vine, you're the branches. If you abide in me, if you remain in me, you will bear much fruit. This is the, my father's glory. Well, what kind of fruit will we bear if we abide in him? If we remain in him, we will produce Galatians 5, fruit of the spirit, fruit. But he says, if you're cut off from me, then you can do nothing. And you think about that branch that's separated from the vine, just laying on the ground all by itself. It's not going to produce any fruit at all. And so from a practical standpoint, what I think we end up doing a lot of times as believers is we're confessional Christians, but we're functional humanists. Right, right. And so the, the way we go through our lives is pretty much like we just get up in the morning, we go through the day, giving the world big mega doses of, of ourselves. Mm-hmm. And the Apostle Paul says, in my flesh, there dwells no good thing. There's just nothing good in us that we have to give to other people. The only good that we have to give to other people is what comes from Jesus. And so practically what that looks like is that we have to learn to abide in him every day and draw our life from him and his word every day. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, we're just drawing on ourselves, and that will result in us having outbursts of anger, of habitual sin, and so forth. And, and you know, I know that this is part of the reason why you've written devotionals for moms, because you understand as a veteran mom yourself that you can't just go through the day, the week, day after day, completely spiritually depleted, mm-hmm. not feeding your soul, not nurturing your soul, and expecting that somehow you're going to have something from the Holy Spirit to give to others. It's just not how it works. And, and so I pr- appreciate very much your ministry because you know, you've emphasized that for many years, the mm-hmm. importance of us drawing richly from the life of Christ to where we have a renewed mind, we have you know, God's thoughts filling our mind, changing our temperament, changing our attitude. And that enables us to live the way that we should for our children. Absolutely. And that's, that's the great hope that we have. And, you know, um, God is, God is in the business of turning it. This is a quote, I believe from your book, God is in the business of turning us worn out, tired, stressed, and even angry parents into ones filled with self-control, like you were describing. Love for you to give us an example of how God has done this um, for you and Brooke, because I know parents out there, like I'm having a hard time visualizing this. What does this look like? So could you give us an example? Yeah, I'll jump in on that. I mean, so just quickly on my story, I don't have time to tell it all, but uh, my parents divorced when I was six years old, and I was raised um, primarily by um, my mother and a, a non-Christian stepfather who was very physically abusive. Mm. And so from like the age of six to the age of 15, I, I had a stepfather who basically tried to kill me on a fairly regular basis. Mm. And so the this physical abuse and of course, verbal and psychological abuse that I suffered from my father-in-law or from my, sorry, my stepfather, my stepfather uh, was such that it really shaped and defined who I was in my later teen years. Mm -hmm. And so I realized as a young man that I had to somehow become different than I was Mm -hmm. if I wanted to get married and have a family Mm -hmm. because I had read all the articles and seen the stats. And I knew that people who are raised that way tend to repeat the cycle. Mm -hmm. And I just was so scared that I would end up doing to my family what was done to me. 
And I remember praying to God and saying, God, if, if you want me to get married and have a family, you are going to have to change me because I've tried to mm. change myself mm-hmm. and it hasn't worked. I don't control my anger. It controls me. And I have rage and I don't know what to do with it. And so I had to learn the biblical pathway for overcoming anger so that I could get married with a clean slate and not bring that into my marriage. And thank Mm. God that he enabled me to do that. Uh, Now, even after I was married, I would say that I still had and and still have low-grade issues of anger that I still have to continually take to the cross and uh, and die to. Mm -hmm. Uh, Irritation, frustration, annoyance, those kinds of things. I can Mm -hmm. be a perfectionist. And, you know, so so I think I I still, uh, to this day, continue to have to die daily on those issues. Mm -hmm. But but thank God that I was able to uh, find uh, deliverance through the scriptures, uh, through walking out obedience to God's word. I was able to find a pathway to, to not just be controlled and consumed by the kind of um, addictive anger that I experienced and, and rage that I experienced because of abuse in my childhood. Right. And would you say that much of that came through God's word? Absolutely, positively. So it's it's not as though, you know, I just, uh, you know, somebody snapped their fingers and then I just didn't have an anger problem anymore. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. I wish that was the path. But, right. but the fact is, I think the path for most people is is really the slow path. Um, and God wants us to learn how to walk in the spirit so we don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Why? Because then we don't fall back into it. Mm-hmm. You right, know, then right. we know, and if we do momentarily, we know how to get back out of it and stay out of it mm-hmm. because we've, we've learned and we put in the hard work of, of walking out obedience to the scripture. So it really is the word of God that sets us free. Right, right. And what you're describing is really self-control. And Absolutely. that's something that hopefully, you know, as believers, we're teaching our kids as they're growing up. And you had to learn this as an adult. Um, and that's where I, I think it's important for moms to realize, you know, this this idea of disciplining our kids is so that they will have that kind of self-control. Um, because as they go, like you, I love that you recognize as a young man that that was something that needed to change in you if you wanted to get married and have kids and not be taking that burden into, into adulthood. Um, but yeah, God's word is transformational. It says, you know, it's quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Um, it, it, is, it always um, produces something. That's what I love it's about it. It's, it's amazing. And so the whole, the encouragement to just be in God's word um, and marinate in that, I think is, is such an important thing to be able to do. And as moms, you know, we're busy and it can be difficult to maybe do these big, deep, Bible studies, but certainly, you know, I remember I would sit and just, I would read through a passage and whatever stood out to me, I would write it down on just a little index card and um, keep it in places in the house where I would see it often. And typically what I found was that particular scripture became very applicable for something that happened that day. So mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be, you know, big, huge, large quantities, but it, it needs right. to be regular. You know, you, we need to do it. <laughs> and yes. yeah. And one thing that we do in Pitch and a Fit is we really do lead the reader through a Bible study 
mm-hmm. on what does God's word say about mm. anger and stress. So Perfect. in many ways, it is in itself a topical Bible study through this issue Great. with lots of applicable scriptures that are powerful and helping us to see the problem and then also learn how to overcome it. Mm, I love that. Yes, and we will definitely be uh, putting a link in the show notes so that mo- uh, moms can go directly there and and get that book. Um, so a lot of parents would be completely overwhelmed by the responsibilities involved in raising 11 children. Uh, tell us about your own challenges with stress and anger and how you've employed biblical principles in your response to those stressful moments, specifically with your kids. Yeah, so like I said, I grew up with um, one brother, and mm-hmm. he was not a hyperactive child. So God gave us several boys at the beginning, and, and that <laughs> has made life very exciting. We currently have three teenage boys and one young adult mm-hmm. boy mm-hmm. and one four-year-old boy. So, you know, um, that that definitely has like made life exciting. Mm-hmm. And, and I think this is true with every family. Is there's always that one child that requires perhaps more uh, everything, more time, more patience than all the rest maybe even put together. And so that that has been a situation. Sometimes it just drives our us to our knees because we go, okay, we've tried every tactic we know. And of course, as parents, we want to see immediate and instantaneous um, right. <laughs> response. We want to have it be like, we speak these loving words and we tell our children to act like perfect gentlemen and ladies and boing, they do. And that's not the case, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. Once in a while, perhaps, but it's an ongoing lifestyle of giving to our children what is true. And like you said, soaking in the scripture so that we actually have something. And I know that's so hard when moms are busy, wake up and the baby's already awake. You know, it's when do you when do you get this time? But it is in taking that scripture in to our hearts that um, we start reflecting on it. We start thinking a little bit more about our responses. Mm-hmm. So uh, when I started seeing so many of my fleshly responses just hitting the dust, meaning there's nothing nothing good was coming out of it. I mm-hmm. maybe yelled and got some anger and stress off of my shoulders and then saw it promptly sitting on my young children's shoulders and realized this is not what I want to do. And there are so many gimmicks that people put in place to try to remind themselves or to try to like uh, discipline themselves almost to say, okay, I'm not going to do that anymore. And really it needs to be that that coming to the Lord and having fellowship with the Holy Spirit work something within our lives so we want to change. Mm-hmm. And maybe we do it imperfectly. Maybe it's not quite uh, as good as it will be someday. But for right now, if it's like grasping hold of something of the Lord, laying that anger before Him, and this this sometimes isn't like a nice two-hour prayer time. It's like right. staring at our child from across the room and thinking, what do I do now? Mm-hmm. Um, we can't just go, <laughs> go somewhere else in a closet all the time. But realizing if I'm going to to do something different. I need to have an action plan. And so some of those action plans I've put in my my um, path are simple. Like, I know it's easy for me to yell at a child if they're across the room. Mm-hmm. You know, why did you come in the house with those muddy boots? But if I go up close and I remind them very gently because I'm up close, you know, you don't yell at somebody who's a foot or two away. Right. Uh, I, I it, it's something like changes for me. It's it's a physical location difference, but it helps. It helps me in that time I'm walking over there to remember 
I don't want to pass on this message with anger. I want to do it in a way that um, I'm bringing hope. I'm bringing bringing godly correction. Mm-hmm. I'm bringing um, love and care. And so this way not be something that um, every family will be able, you know, every child will receive. But if possible, especially if it's like can be a discussion, I'll sit down with my child on the couch. Uh, you know, with many pregnancies, sometimes I'm like, I can't be on my feet talking for half an hour. Let's sit down. But in that, I'll try to put my arm around that child and just let them know I'm for you. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not against you in this conversation mm-hmm. because that's how a lot of children receive correction. I am for you and I want to help you through this. It's a reminder to myself when I put my arm around that child as well. I like how Brooke uses the illustration. She says that she likes to teach with a cookie in her hand. <laughs> I and love so that. Part of Part of that looks like whenever there's a better moment to teach, choose that better moment rather than the moment when you're really angry. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so you don't always have to have the teaching moment when you're, you know, at boiling point. Right. You can put it aside, come back later with a cookie in your hand, Mm -hmm. sit on the porch swing and have the conversation when the emotions are down. Exactly. And, And you'll be much more effective in communicating and teaching the concept in that moment than you will, you know, when the child has just done something offensive and you're screaming at them. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's a huge um, opportunity there to, by just hitting the pause button. That's what I, right. I tell moms all the time. I think, you know, if, if, if your emotions are high, we're not actually in a place where we are fit to discipline our children at that point. We're not, yeah. we're not qualified to because we're angry and um, we, need to, we need to cool down and we need to just kind of separate ourselves from the situation temporarily. I, I, sometimes I would even just, you know, have my child just go sit on their bed for a few minutes until yes. I had a chance to just pray. Or uh, sometimes when the whole household just felt like, you know, everything's, you know how this is, Brooke, everything's humming along smoothly and you're thinking to yourself, this is great. Everything feels so peaceful. And then bam, literally <laughs> in the next five minutes, there's chaos and you're not sure what happened. And I remember thinking that and then just feeling so out of control, like what just happened, you know? And I would I would tell all the kids, all right, come in here. Like there was this big emergency. Come into the kitchen right now. Hurry, hurry. And, and they would come in and I would say, okay, everybody hold hands. We're going to pray. And, and then it would just make everything quiet for just a mm-hmm. couple of minutes. <laughs> right. <laughs> so that, so I could, and I would just start praying and I would pray as long as I needed to in order to keep everybody quiet so that I could, you know, just have a chance to hear from the Lord and sort of figure out what was happening and how I was going to handle all this. But yes. that pause button, there is a choice there between when something happens and when we respond to it. It's very, it's a very small window of time, but there is there is time there for where we make that decision. And I think that's important for, uh, for moms to realize because it can feel like, oh, there's no time between the time it happened and the time that I react. But there, you can actually, there actually can be time there. And, and that's where the, utilizing that whole idea of just hitting the pause button. Um, and this is why I'm such a, um, I, I am always encouraging moms to not overschedule their days because right. you do not have time to take the time to handle those situations well. 
if you have no time, if you're just constantly going from one thing to the next to the next, um, we've got to build margin into our days. I think that is one of the top reasons that moms are angry and stressed out is they've got too much planned, too many activities. There's not enough margin in their days. Um, And I think as parents, we are responsible to keep margin in our days for that purpose, because that is what God has called us to. He's called us to disciple our children. But if we don't have time to do that, then we're actually not walking in obedience to the Lord. And we're going to find ourselves in these situations again and again. Um, you know, even Jesus expressed anger in the temple is an excuse that, <laughs> that a lot of parents use to justify their own expressions of anger. Uh, tell us if this is a valid rationale. I think I know the answer to this question, but I want to hear you you explain it. <laughs> well, it's it's interesting. We have a whole section in the book where we talk about um, the difference between righteous indignation and fleshly anger. And righteous indignation seems in the scripture to be limited to times when God's honor is being mocked in society or when the innocent are being oppressed, that there's an actual commendation or encouragement for righteous indignation in those cases. But most of the time as parents, when we get angry, it's because we were inconvenienced, (laughs) we were annoyed, we were embarrassed. Uh, whatever somebody happened to, you know, ruin our perfect day that we had right. going, and uh, and so we we really have in our book we have something we call a, a roadmap to freedom, and it's like twelve practical points to help people to find their way from anger addiction to freedom, and uh, there's just a lot of practical suggestions that the Bible itself contains about how we can learn to walk uh, walk through these, but we have to stop justifying our fleshly anger uh, and and calling it righteous indignation just because we're right. the parent and we feel entitled to it. <laughs> exactly. Yes, yes. That's an excellent answer. And anger does, every, par- every parent, every person, ex- it, you know, experiences anger. Um, how should a parent express anger? Well, I think that uh, the way I would look at it is we sometimes have to express disapproval. Yes. Um, terms of how we relate to our children, uh, as Brooke said, we want our children to know that we're for them. And, uh, you know, I say in the book that there's two forces that help us to build influence in the life of our child. The first is time, uh, which you need a lot of, and the second is affirmation. And so we actually have a whole chapter in there on how we can replace uh, responses of anger and rejection with words of affirmation and encouragement. Mm, that's wonderful. Um, what is the one of the most um, important steps that a parent can take to live free from the tyranny of anger and stress? Because it really is, it really is tyrannical. Um, if it's something that's a real habit and just something we've never quite overcome, um, help us, help us um, recognize one of the most important steps that, that we can take to live free from that. Yeah, the most important step is you have to nurture your own soul. Mm. You, you really do. You know, when I fly a lot uh, with travel, and one of the things that they always tell us when we're when we're in the airplane is that if something goes wrong and the cabin loses air pressure, that these oxygen masks will fall. Right. And they always tell us as parents to secure our oxygen mask first before attempting to help our child. 
And it seems counterintuitive, right? Because it feels like, well, if I love my child, I'll be sacrificial and I'll help them first. <laughs> the problem is if you pass out, you are no good to your child. <laughs> that's absolutely right. I, and that's so a- I think, yeah, so I think from a spiritual standpoint, you know, we have to make sure that we're nurturing and feeding our own souls before we try to nurture and feed our children's souls. Because you, you can't give what you don't have. Right, exactly. And so, if we want our children to learn how to be patient, we have to learn how to be patient. If we want them to learn how to be forgiving, we have to learn how to be forgiving because, mm-hmm. you know, more is caught than taught in parenting. Absolutely. And, you know, this whole topic of anger, that's another aspect to it is um, if we don't um, allow the Holy Spirit to change this and allow the Lord to redeem this area of our life, we will pass that on to our children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren. And I, I feel like, so many people um, in our culture do not think multi-generationally at all. Um, we recognize that we're parenting these children, but as we're parenting these children, we are also parenting our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren. And so to, to look at how I'm parenting my child and to ask myself, is this how I want my child to parent their child? Um, and and I think that's a that's a pretty big eye opener there to help us be a little more like wow step back get some perspective and say okay there's some things that need to be taken care of here so um, I love that you are addressing this topic so thoroughly and biblically um, share with us your roadmap to freedom for angry stressed and overwhelmed parents yeah we found this just to be you know we were working on this book together and we felt like we need to just have something very concise so here it is number one evaluate where you are on the anger spectrum and we, we kind of talked about this earlier in the book just right. as far as things like some people will call it just a, a mild frustration or irritation to escalating up to full-blown violence and anger and rage mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, recognize your need to change and your inability to do it on your own Ask God to forgive you and change your heart. Believe that God can and will change you. Saturate your mind in God's word. Memorize it and apply it. Recognize your anger triggers. And again, this is something that we didn't get to touch on here, but just recognizing when we kind of hit into a situation where every morning before I get my coffee, I find that I can't handle the stress of the children waking up and bouncing off the walls. Right. Okay, you've, you've found a spot where you go, okay, I recognize I am prone to anger in these situations. And in that recognition, we have a little bit of something where we can go, okay, this is the area I need to take to the Lord. I need a game plan, et cetera. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, okay, confess and repent every time you blow it. Mm. And just recognizing that there's power in repentance. You know, it seems like a humiliation. It seems like uh, a weakness to expose to our children, but it's not like they didn't know it already. So I feel like we're doing something of of um, that, ex- showing an example for our children of how a parent responds to uh, their own anger is something that we're giving our children. And, and they actually, ha- so many times, have so much more respect actually for their parents when they do um, repent. So number eight, strategically practice speaking words of encouragement to others. It will help to rewire your brain with thoughts of gratitude rather than bitterness and anger. Mm, So good. It generally takes 30 days to create a new habit. 
And that seems like a long time sometimes, but it's so true. Disrupting your old patterns and intentionally replacing them with new ones is key. Mm, I love that. So good. Those, that is a an excellent roadmap. I, I yes. feel like that. we and should hang that on the here. Okay. Be willing to seek accountability and prayer support from others. Journal your progress and setbacks, and this will give you some perspective over time. And then tenaciously guard your time alone with Jesus and don't neglect your spiritual disciplines. And again, I think you can probably see through so many of those, just relying on the Lord, looking to him in prayer, because prayer and these spiritual disciplines, memorization of the scripture are not things to be hidden. It's it's that letting our light shine before our own children in the daily life where they see everything happening is, is how the gospel is shared. And, um, so there's a lot of power in being able to express to our children, even as we're going through that process of patience. I do want to just add one little thing about the part about accountability. One thing that we have noticed is that sometimes moms in particular, they're home all day with their children, and perhaps they've got a oldest child that they feel is quite mature. And they'll say, hey, maybe this child will be my accountability partner. And I'll um, say, hey, you know, let me know if I trip up and I'm being angry. And I just want to caution moms that this is not the kind of accountability we're talking about. Uh, we're, we're trying to talk about find an older woman in your life. Um, you know, the spouse would be a great solution, obviously. But if, if that's mm-hmm, not a possibility, mm-hmm. finding an older woman in your life that will give you wise and godly counsel Um is, is the best kind of accountability in that department. Because if you go to your child and you're saying, you be you tell mommy when I've done wrong, um, we're kind of messing things up as mm-hmm. far as a godly authority figure for them. And we're saying, hey, sometimes I will tell you when you're wrong and sometimes you'll tell mommy when she's wrong. And it's putting that relationship in a position where... Um, it's, it's more of an equal. And that can be sometimes very challenging for a young child or even an older child to navigate. It puts a lot of pressure on them that shouldn't be there. Right. I agree. I think that's uh, it, it kind of shifts things out of God's order. And that can be confusing for them. And we want to keep those lines really clear. Um, and I love what you said about, you know, confess and repent every time you mess up. I mean, that is, that's huge right there. I, I used to say, uh, kind of tell myself, you know, and, and, and the kids, you know, in terms of their relationships with each other and then my relationships with them, I called it keeping it clean. Like mm-hmm. I'm not going to let anything build up or muddy that relationship. And, and, it, and it always came down to being willing to humble myself and or them being willing to humble themselves and make things right um, with each other. So uh, I love that. And I feel like those steps could be used not just for anger, but for other areas of our lives that we're struggling in. So it's an excellent biblical roadmap for anything we might be struggling with. So I love that. Okay, give us an example. This is a final question. Give us an example of correcting and affirming a child at the same time. Because again, I think there's a lot of uh, first-generation Christian homeschooling families out there. And they, they're they like, okay, I know how not to do this. Can someone please show me how to do this? <laughs> so if you could share, that yes. would be great. <laughs> Yes. And, you know, again, I think sometimes we'll go through a lot of trial and errors. We're trying to figure out what's our, <laughs> what's our style of delivering this. But um, I think, I think a couple of things come into play. So many times when we want to express correction, 
we, we're hoping to see some immediate uh, humility on our child, our children. Right. We're hoping to see like remorse and like, oh yeah. <laughs> and a lot of times you meet a kid who's just like, you know, well, I hit my sister because she was doing such and such. And we're like, okay, I will deal with your sister, but I'm talking to you right now. And uh, we want to, we sometimes start bringing in these words that aren't helpful. They're not the what do you call that? Beneficial critique or, you know, helpful encouragement and correction. We're bringing in words that tear down. Again, we have this desire for the Holy Spirit to work in our children's heart. And we know we're supposed to facilitate that in some way. (laughs) So we start cutting our children down. And, um, you know, there are times we have to be blunt and honest and use words that are hard, not harsh, but hard and say, you were wrong. What you did was mean. It wasn't kind. You know, we, we speak mm-hmm. the truth. Sure. Not yes. sugarcoating that. But we do it in a way that shows our care and concern for them to grow from it. And by providing a roadmap for them to make those wrongs right and help them lovingly walk through that. You know, again, like I said, just putting my arm around my child helps me remember I'm walking them through this. And that's sometimes long and painful mm-hmm. and doesn't always happen the way we want it to. Or it's not instantaneous. <laughs> but we're walking our children through repentance. And um, a lot of times they don't know how to do that, right? They don't know that I need to like, humble myself. I need to um, repent to somebody else. They don't know all that. And so if we just take them on those steps and show them again, we're for them. Sometimes this takes prayer too, just while we're talking to them, searching out the Lord and saying, I want to say the right thing. I want to get this right. I want to see you do a work in my child. Um, give me the words. And, you know, maybe maybe you talk through it and you get to a point where you're like, okay, I don't know any more to say here. I'm going to mm-hmm. just take a break. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you tell your child, I want to talk with you more. I just feel like maybe if I looked for some resources or, or um, did a little Bible study myself, I'd be, be able to share something. And then, of course, set it on your calendar because busy yes, life. Exactly. <laughs> but, you know, going back and saying, if we're young children, sometimes you find a little story that demonstrates what you want to say in, in a way that the child can relate to. Or an older child, maybe you write them an email when you're um, not having that uptight tone come through. Right. You just share some scriptures that way um, and, and let them know you're praying with them. And I believe ending in prayer, even when it's more like, Lord, help my child to see this and help me to see this, you know, not not just leaving it like pointing a finger, but help us as a family learn to walk out humility goes such a long way because it really is the Holy Spirit that does this work. We're facilitators. We help point but um, it doesn't all rest on our performance. That's right. It's That's right. just allowing ourselves not to hinder the work of God right. and, and to point to Him. Yeah, I love that. And it's it's that availability, you know. It's uncomfortable sometimes to just to be in that position of, okay, I think I've said everything I can say. It doesn't really feel like we got anywhere, but I don't have anything more to say. And and just being okay with stepping away from that. I've done the same thing with our kids and I've said to them also, you know, I think I, I need to pray a little bit more about this and and um, you know, just and seek the, you know, seek the Lord, the scriptures. Maybe you could do the same thing and we'll come mm. back together 
and we'll talk right. about it. And you tell right. me what you found and I'll tell you what I found. And yes, definitely like put it on your calendar <laughs> Because it will not happen, not with that many kids. You're never going to go back to it. So I love that little reminder. That's so good. But I think, you know, what you're really saying is, you know, you what you want to communicate is a spirit of care and a spirit of I'm on your side. I want what's best for you. Um, even if that thing that's best is a little painful for you, you know, I'll walk right. with you right. through it. And I just think that's such a beautiful example too of how we're supposed to be with each other as the body of Christ. And um, this is something that, you know, I share with moms all the time is, you know, those family relationships, um, parents with the kids and and nurturing the sibling relationships, what we're doing is we're teaching our kids how to be the body of Christ to each other. And yes. And then when they become adults and then they're in their own church community, uh, they understand like what do healthy biblical family relationships look like? Because right, the, the family of God is a family as well. And so I love that um, as, especially as homeschooling parents, we have such a great opportunity to be teaching that day in and day out by example, um, by just making ourselves available and being willing to deal with things like anger. And so um, I'm, I'm so appreciative for this work that you have done. And I'm gonna, going to definitely uh, encourage moms to be looking um, to go ahead and get this book. And um, we'll leave a link in the show notes and all of your connection information. But uh, thank you so much, both of you, for being here today. Oh, it's been a joy. Thank you so much. All right. Um, Israel, would you mind closing in prayer? Absolutely. Okay, thanks. Heavenly Father, we just thank you that you love us and that you give us such a good example as our Father that we know how to relate to our children because of how you relate to us. Mm. Uh, and Lord, you know, your word says that it is your kindness that leads us to repentance. And we do thank you, Lord, for just how patient and how kind you have been to us. Lord, please help us to reflect that to our children, that they can see the love of Christ in us, mm. that we will extend that to them. And Lord, for those families who have struggled with this problem of ongoing habitual anger, maybe even to the point where they felt that there was no hope for them, I just pray that you would give them faith and courage that uh, your word has given us everything that we need that pertains to life and godliness and that uh, we can become conformed to the image of Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of your word. And so, Lord, we just commit this to you in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. 